0: Good news for everyone with a hole in their boat, because I'm here with some plugs. Uh, this week, we're just going to mention quickly uh, the Winning Agenda Patreon account. Uh, we've been very, very happy with how it's gone so far. It means so much uh, to us. Whenever we see that somebody has decided to uh, help support us in a, in a small but but very meaningful way, uh, it's going to allow us to do a lot of extra things. Uh, it's going to allow us to bolster the content that we're already producing as well as produce a lot of new stuff. Some of that new stuff is already available. It's up on YouTube. You can check out videos of Jesse Marshall piloting his new Gagarin mid-range list entitled Space Maker or Make Space or something like that. It's pretty cool. It's a space pun. I'm sure it's hilarious. They're up on YouTube now. He's going to deck tech that deck in this episode too. So after you listen to this, maybe when you get home from work later tonight or after you've gone for your run at the gym and you've you've listened to us you can go home and pull up the youtube and and really watch that deck in action uh later this week we'll have some videos of myself and our ever popular hilarious good friend judge tom daniel piloting dave hoyland's ketzel list up as well so you can look forward to those maybe having a laugh maybe learning something who knows anything could happen Uh, If you would like to support us on Patreon, uh, words cannot express how much it would mean to us, you can check us out at patreon.com slash thewinningagenda, there'll be a link in the show notes. Thanks so much guys, enjoy this week's episode of TWA. Good evening, and welcome to episode 53 of The Winning Agenda. Tonight, our panellists include runner-up for both the 2014 Melbourne Regionals and the 2014 Australian Nationals, Liam Prasad.
1: Hey there, welcome back.
0: 2014 Australian National Champion and 2014 World's Top 16 competitor, Jesse Marshall.
2: Hello, and uh, man with a broken foot as well. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh,
0: yes, he has a broken foot, unfortunately. Uh, 2015 Regional Top 8 competitor, Hollis Echo.
2: Uh, howdy.
0: Howdy. And I'm Brian Holland, your host. Uh, we have a fun, exciting episode tonight, as always. Uh, Jesse, we're going to start with the deck tech that you have. Uh, you've been, once again, back in the brew house after some new Wayland cards hit the floor a couple of weeks ago with Universe of Tomorrow. In particular, I'm really keen to hear about your use of public support, as I've been pretty excited for that card since I saw the spoiler, so let us know.
2: I have got quite a bit of feedback on my Oaktown Funk You Up deck, which <laughs> we talked a little bit about last week, <clears throat> and which Hollis played a little bit uh quite a few people sort of enjoyed playing that deck it was a corset building a better world deck that sort of uh, played corporate town archer caprice ash uh, and was trying to use sort of hostile takeovers early lots of operation econ uh, leverage into building big remote and scoring out of that Uh, this deck is utilizing the power of uh, public support as you mentioned brian which feeds your Uh, corporate town as well as your archers without giving bad pub, which is something that I have been waiting for for a very long time, to be able to play those cards in Wayland without giving bad pub from hostile takeover.
0: Um, You even mentioned as much to Lucas last year at worlds, didn't you?
2: I did. I said, I really, really wanted a two for zero agenda, just with some throwaway ability, just so I could play archer without um, giving bad pub. (laughs) Sorry. I finally got my wish. Uh, I was a little bit worried about public support. I thought it might be a bit too slow, But what I found is that playing it out in a remote, particularly in Gagarin, where it's essentially five to trash, playing it out in a remote on turn one, it's very unlikely that it's not going to uh, go to completion. If you can play it on turn one, res it before your turn two, the runner's very unlikely to run it. And even if they do, they're very unlikely to pay that much money in the first turn to trash it. And then if you can get one small gear-checking piece of ice in front of it, potentially even two, you're very likely to be able to run it through. Uh, to completion, and then once you do, you can also afford to invest in that server whilst that's happening, because of course the public support disappears and goes to your score area, and you can then develop that remote into your scoring remote. Uh, so it doesn't damage so your. In any given
0: game, uh, h- how many are you trying to score? Like you just you just got one the golden number, or if you can get more, you'll go for it.
2: I've scored two sort of. I've, I've probably scored one in about eighty percent of games I have played. Two in maybe 40% and three pretty rarely um, Just because, you know, it's difficult to score them And find the windows to do it But yeah, between one and two in most of my games And that's been phenomenal Uh, Having the flexibility to be able to throw them away To the corporate town if you need to Um, I've recorded a couple of games That we're going to uh, upload along with this episode uh, On Ginteki.net And you can see how much work corporate town does In a couple of those games But also with Archer um, being able to turn on your archers, and as I said, as you're sort of developing that remote in front of the public support, then being able to just sort of tack an archer onto the front of it once the public support scored and create a really taxing server for your agendas is f- really fantastic.
3: What are you noticing? Like when when you're installing the card, what's the runner's general reaction to, to trying to go after it? Are, are they hyper aggressive when they when they see it res? or? Do they just kind of let it go and assume that it's really not that big of a deal?
2: I think generally people know that it's an essential part of the deck. Uh, So people usually try and go after it. Uh, But they only really have two of their turns to do so. uh, Because it's going to go down to two counters as soon as you res it, basically. Uh, Then they have a turn. Then it goes down to one counter. They have a turn. Then it's scored. So out of those two turns, if you can be pressuring them in other ways whilst it's ticking down then it's unlikely that they're going to be able to successfully run and trash it. Obviously, imp is a big deal, um, and that makes it a lot more difficult. Uh, but usually, if they do try and run it without an imp, it'll be on that last turn. So you can sort of prepare for that and put that second dice in front of it when it's on uh, one counter.
1: And uh, what kind of and Jesse, what kind of dice have you been uh, using to, to put in front of it that early is in turn two? I just know in my experience, getting uh, ice up on R&D, HQ and a remote by turn two, especially after you invested two in the public support, uh, is going to be really difficult. And I know Wayland has Meromati now, but uh, what, kind, what kind of ice are you playing to make that happen?
2: All small ice. I'm playing two ice wall and Maramarty. Uh two quandaries, two enigmas. Pair 3 Caduceus and 2 Tour Guide. And Caduceus, particularly with a lot of zero-link runners going around at the moment, uh, is very often zero to res because zero-link runners have a really hard time in the first few turns fighting that Trace 3 that gives you three credits. Uh, And the fact that the agenda density in the deck is quite low, I'll come to agendas a little bit later, but that means that when you've got a Caduceus on either R&D or HQ and you can res it and get your three back, you're usually happy to let them through paying two uh, so that's caduceus has been really really important in that regard with giving you the funds back to res your other ice but yeah so i've got quandary um ice wall Miramati, and tour guide all of which are one or two to res then i've got uh spider web and archer at the upper end which are cards that i like to have on my remote early sorry my, i like to build onto my remote uh as i'm developing it in, to be more taxing
3: I was noticing also that you're still running the uh, you know the kill combo of sea source and scorched earth. Um, of course, no mid seasons. Um, I think I do think sea source is the right call right now in the existing environment with film critic being you know kind of being everywhere in Kate. So, how how many of your uh, your wins have actually come from kills? Do people respect the Scorch or did, Are they assuming you don't have it?
2: A lot of people uh, respect it, but the deck I found is so taxing on most runners. Uh, you've got sort of ash in your remotes often forces people to go down to zero or very close to zero even if they aren't able to score that agenda just to sort of trash the ash or get in there pad campaigns you got capital investors and oak town all of which are really i've found to be really quite strong economy so your options for racing them economically are really good and the fact that a lot of runners will invest in trashing the corporate town trashing the um public supports means that you've got that backup option if they do do those things. So I mean, if you didn't have the source and the Scorch combo and they did go in and trash your public supports and really keep you deprive you of that element of your game plan, if you didn't have a backup option, I think the deck would be a lot weaker. But the fact that you can punish them for doing that by scorching them out has proven to be a, re- a really good sort of versatility that the deck has. I was also just going to touch on the one-off Snare. Um, that's actually been really, really good for me. Uh, it's something that people don't necessarily expect once they've already seen uh, Ash and Sauce and uh, Jackson and the Global Food Initiatives... There's only two influence left there for the one-off snare. And a lot of people will go for those big R&D digs because it's the most efficient way to beat the deck when remotes are so taxing. And if they do hit that snare, that's often opened up a lot of kill windows for me. Um, likewise in HQ and the other really sort of niche use that it has that I've done very rarely but is sort of cute is that if you have the snare installed in a remote you can add an extra subroutine to tour guide by raising it for zero um, and that subroutine is quite difficult for them to remove from the tour guide in that they have to run and trash the snare and cop it to the face so that's sort of been relevant for me a couple of times
0: and what's the agenda suite looking like now have you changed it up much
2: yeah so I've got um, two global food initiative which has been an absolute revelation. Uh, I really, really love this card. It means that you you can score three agendas and win, and they still have to score four, which is massive. And when you've also got public supports in there that can get you, that can replace an agenda, essentially, you can win by scoring two agendas, which is so different to the way the game's been played for Corpse before, particularly for Wayland. Um, so if you can manage to score a Global Food Initiative um, behind a reasonably taxing server in the mid-game with an archer, um, and usually using an Ash, uh, then it puts you in a really great position. NAPDs are so taxing for the runner to steal in Gagarin. And Oaktown Renovation, I, I often am very aggressive with those, sort of putting them... The fact that you can put one behind a spiderweb on turn one, sort of go yeah. spiderweb, install, Oaktown, advance, that's so hard for most runners to get into.
0: Yeah, I remember I did a lot of similar things when I played the Oaktown list for a little while online. Scoring them aggressively um, feels good uh, because, well, I mean, obviously a runner stealing an agenda you're trying to score aggressively is never a good thing. But when they do, particularly with Oaktown, you don't feel like you're so far behind, you're actually ahead.
2: Yeah, it, it allows you to be really aggressive because of the the different economic Um, investment that's required Uh, and the fact I've also found that you can score it on the second turn after you sort of install advance you only need one credit to still be able to score it means that you can do it that much earlier and still be able to raise your eyes which has been great. Um,
3: I basically only have one more thing to ask you Jesse convince me
2: about tour guide
3: convince me It's like sell me me on on tour guide
2: sure Um, the fact that the, the public support and pad campaign are both four to trash, essentially five to trash with Gagarin, means that it's, even when they're naked, it's a reasonably big economy swing for them to trash those. Couple that with the fact that you can protect them with a tour guide, um, and it means that you've got low-cost stoppers, well, as in end-the-run ice, in code gate, barrier, and sentry, which is a lot of versatility, and it's a big ask for the, on the runner's gear early.
3: I, I was gonna say I, I definitely do agree. And if you're playing in the you know in with the Gagarin ID where assets are going to be more to trash, Turaga definitely gets a bump in power level. Um, previously, you know I had seen people attempt to use it in different in different woodland decks, and it wasn't that successful. But I mean, it, it definitely seems like it would be better in you know in a Gagarin style deck where you have a number of assets that are more to trash.
2: And also because the assets are must trashes, I guess is the other thing. So if it's on a pad campaign, I usually don't play it in front of pad campaign because it's not so relevant. But on a public support, because you're demanding that they get in within a particular time frame to trash it, having to get a century Breakers to deal with it is a lot for criminals and shapers particularly. Obviously, it's not as good against Parasite, it's not as good against Anarch, but you know, not every card is good against every faction. Um, but yeah, the fact that you can put it in front of public support or corporate town is most important, I think.
1: Uh, I can imagine kind of the worst matchup for this deck being one with Faust, Imps, and Parasites, as you're kind of just saying. Uh, does the um, does the corporate town pull a lot of weight there? Given those decks usually play like pancakes and Aesops.
2: Yeah, it can really slow them down. Um, Spiderweb is a bit of a double-edged sword there in that it uh, folds really quickly to Parasite, but it's also quite good against Faust. So if you res them strategically, they can be quite good. Archer is really good in those matchups, though. Um, David deals with it reasonably well, but it doesn't allow them to run through it repeatedly. And if you can... The fact that your, your deck's reasonably fast and you've got that threat of Scorched Earth, so they have to be sort of playing around that and being careful, means that it can be hard for them to rack up heaps of data sucker counters and just like sit there with their entire rig together. Usually you can force them to make some sketchy plays, um, which is where things like Archer and Scorched Earth.
0: Yep. When they're playing with Faust and you, they've got to play around Scorched Death, they have to make a run early in the turn yes. as well because they have to be able to draw back up to exactly. a safe space.
1: Or they can start with uh, many, many cards in hand, right? If they have like wild cakes going on.
0: Sure, you can start with seven cards, but if you're getting through like, as Jesse was saying, like an archer and a spiderweb with a faust, like that's still a shit ton of yeah. cards go. Yeah, yeah, it's in, not in exactly good for it. Yeah. No.
2: So yeah, yeah there, there are ways that you can do um, with those decks, but they are definitely the worst matchups.
0: Excellent. Uh, we look forward to hearing more about it, and those videos should be up now uh, at the time of this uh, episode going live. They will be on our website and on our YouTube channel. Hollis. Hey man, what's up? Hey buddy, mm. uh, what have you got to talk to us about today? Um, well, I'm so You've got to sell us on something. I'm pretty sure you asked to I'm, sell you on tour I'm, guide. you got to sell gonna us It's going to
3: be a hard sell. Um, so <laughs> I've talked about it before. I talked about it in the last episode, I, th- I believe. And um, I've been working slash twerking with a new oh. NBN. Not a new NBN, but a, an NBN Fast event uh that you've seen before. Um, Team Turtles, Team Ninja Turtles, uh, Team Back Turtles, whatever people are calling it now. I don't know. Um, the deck... Is a fast events deck that basically utilizes team sponsorship, turtlebacks, uh, as well as like a sub city con kind of like pad campaign, um, obviously, um, Sans and City Grids for fast events capabilities. And pretty much what you're doing is you score an agenda, you uh, pull back other assets and upgrades that your opponent has already trashed, and this basically enhances or I guess allows you to keep fast advancing agendas without. Um, much hindering you, even even clot, because when you score the uh, an agenda, you can bring back Cyberdex Virus Suite onto one of your centrals, and so you can just instantly purge again when you score your next agenda, assuming they don't run and trash it. Uh, that is what I've been working with, and uh, the deck has been, man, it's a thing now. I, I'm happy that it's a thing. I can't take credit for it, but it's a really good
0: thing. So this is the it's a very similar list to the one you played at the SMC. Yeah, right? pretty
3: similar. Pretty darn
0: yeah, so what are some of the major major changes that have happened in why have you implemented um,
3: them? I think the three major changes are, you know, one, I removed Architect or sorry, excuse me, I removed Archer and replaced all Archers in the deck now with Architect. Um, the primary issue I was finding is that I maybe resed Archer out of one every ten games. Also, I guess I would I would preface this by saying that the uh, the decks I'm, I'm playing against are a lot of Kate decks that run Sharpshooter because um, that because uh, it is so yes. pow- you know because that deck is so good so um, I found myself rarely ever resing it because they would just install the sharpshooter from hand then they would just recur the clone chips and there's there's a good aspect to that because it prevents them from clone chipping uh, clot which is fine but uh, I also found myself in in really bad scenarios where I would be at five points I could see the the, the you know the winning the winning agenda that I'm about to score like right there. And then I look at this Archer and I'm going, well, if I res this Archer, I'm at four now and I can't win the game. So I slow my deck down by losing agendas. Um,
0: Yeah, that was always the issue with playing uh, Archer and an aggressive deck. Yeah, so, I
3: mean, it's it's gone now. And now they're just all Architect. And I think Architect is fine. It's a good piece of ice.
0: Yeah, Architect feels good.
3: Um, The other other big change is I added in a Blacklist. Um, Blacklist is just really good against those matchups that are, like, Siphon Spam. I can try to slow down um, them recurring so many account siphons. Also hopes against uh, noise and Kate matchups. And the, the last big change uh, that I th- uh, don't think I have to explain to anybody uh, is that I have to, uh, I had to cut hedge fund. I'm kidding.
2: I, I'm kidding about the not having Sorry, to talk explain So talk us through that, Hollis. Talk us through cutting <laughs> hedge fund. Talk <laughs> us
0: through definitely
1: this. This is the hard sell, uh, buddy. <laughs> uh, I, I don't mind this straight up. Like, this is a decision I've had to make many times as well. I think Hollis is valid in doing it, but. <laughs> He can also explain himself. Goddamn. Sure,
3: it. sure. Okay, so, the, the, um, I initially I had three hedge funds, and uh, there's nothing wrong uh, with having three hedge fund at all. It's a uh, card's amazing, and I would like to preface this: it is very likely that after this conversation, I'll go back to the drawing board and take another look at it, gentlemen. <laughs> uh, but the, the I was running into two big issues while I was playing this deck. So, um, not big issues, but they were they were interesting to me. One, when the deck is working, I do not need a big boost in credits. And, and the reason why I don't need a big boost in credits is because uh, the play with turtlebacks means every time I install a card, I'm gaining money. And in, in most cases, I'm usually gaining just enough money to score the agenda out of hand the next time. So as a result, I don't need you know 9 and 10 and 15 or whatever the number is of uh, amount of credits. Um, all I ever really needed was enough credits to score my agendas. Um, ice still has to be res, but the, the bulk of the ice in the deck really isn't that expensive. Um, what little ice <laughs> there are. Uh, the second problem that I found is that after I would score an agenda, uh, part of the ability of NEH means I have to now draw up and discard a card. Well, this put me in a really interesting dilemma. When my hand has an agenda or two agenda uh, agenda or two in it, um, and ice in it. And a CVS or something like that in it, the immediate card I would trash. Looking at a uh, with the remaining ice being things like another architect or being um, a pop up or a special offer, or, you know, whatever in between. the uh, The operation econ was the card that got trashed because I, I would look at my I would look at the economy on my board and go, Well, I'm at I'm at three, I'm at five, I'm at one, and all I really need is the two credits to score this next agenda or the credits to fast, you know, to Teresa Sansan or to um, uh, biotic labor this agenda out. And I don't need you know, a ton of credits to do this because as I just install my pads, I'm gaining money from turtle backs and so on and so forth. So when I realized I kept trashing my hedge funds or soup weeks, I said, okay, well, that's kind of an issue. That's a, what I call a good problem. And then the last thing that happened is that I realized that siphon spam was a more common thing and it was definitely something that I was weak against. So I said, how can I keep myself scoring? Let's say I get an Astro out. And then they start siphon spamming me. Um, I can't hedge fund. But what I can do is, and that's the new inclusion, is I can use Shipment from Sansan. So instead of me having to...
0: You weren't you went playing Shipment from no. Sansan? No.
3: Previously what I was doing was I, I just ran sweeps weeks and I was running hedge fund. And I wasn't running Shipment from Sansan.
4: Okay. So now mm-hmm. what I do hmm. is,
3: is I, I, the deck is switched from worrying about having this um, econ that's a bit more bursty for the sake of raising ice... And then having an econ that supports itself, even if I'm at, you know, zero or low credits to score agendas. I, I can tell very, the difference that this has made, actually, believe it or not, is, is, is actually not big. Um, as far as, like, that econ engine, I, I don't really miss the hedge fund. The shipper from Sansan San has been really the best change, I think, uh, out of everything, I think it's.
0: It's, uh, it's. I mean, we've been big advocates for shipment from Sand for a long time. Yeah. So, uh, was there a period where these decks stopped? Just fill me in here, guys. Is there a period where these New Hub fast advanced decks stopped? Playing I certainly shipment, didn't stop or was playing it. Just this iteration. Uh, did, did you? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so good, right? Did you I, stop playing? It?
1: A, a lot of the lists yeah. I've seen on a Netrunner DB and things like that, I have had to take down and spread out and, and fit them in. Yeah. So a lot of them have been missing the shipment from Sand but I agree so with Hollis. Like it, it is more powerful than Hedge Fund by far. Like, The fact is, rather than costing clicks, obviously it compresses less them. Yeah, it's less
4: versatile. Yeah. It's obviously,
0: well, it's was- versatile, right? And as I was saying to Hollis before the show started, like the one thing you might miss the hedge funds for is for those early turns, right? When you want that burst economy so you're able to res all that asset so you can sort of rest on that economy for the rest of the game. So if you think that sure. trade-up is worth it, but... Uh, Obviously, if the deck wasn't already playing shipments, yeah, well, you might sell me just yeah, on I mean, that. The, the fact, These, you the fact that, that you, uh,
4: you can play poor against Siphon, and that's a fine strategy, but at some point you need to get up to a decent number of credits to Biotic Labor or Res Sansan. So, Hollis you're saying you can do that through Turtlebacks? Yeah. Uh, that, that's fine. Um, but... Hedge fund definitely plays a role. Operation economy definitely plays a role in doing that because you do need to have credits at some point in the game to be able to fast advance.
3: Oh, I would, I would love a build where we could have. We should have all these things. Mm. Um, there are so, there are so. Can <laughs> I, I just it. want
4: to say, Jose, like there are so many cards um, that are around this fast advance shell that are so good that you can't fit them all yeah. in. Like fast track, the fact that there's only one in this deck, yeah. that cards off its head. It's so good. Cyberdex Virus yeah. Suite,
0: and obviously you had to make some. Yeah. You've obviously had to make some uh, uh, emissions because of Turtleback's and yeah. Team sponsorship, you're also only playing one biotic labor, right? Yep. So,
3: oh, that, that's yeah. what it was. I'm sorry, uh, th- uh, that was a question I, I wanted to answer. Mm. It was so you asked, you know, of course, have you know have we been dropping or has anyone else been dropping uh, Shimmer from Sansan? Mm. What I had been doing before, and I'll say this is before, um, right around uh, before RP really became a giant like deck archetype um, that people really noticed. So, I really, right before Worlds. Um, of last year, maybe a little bit afterward, uh, I was not using Shimmer from Sansan as as often, um, or sorry, I was using it more often. Excuse me, because siphons were more common. Um, Andy was a really really popular deck, so I kept Shimmer from Sansan so that if Andy tried to leverage account siphons or, or siphon spam against me, I still had a way to score out from that siphon spam. Uh, that was you know that was a year ago. With the rise of RP before Film Critic. RP became, I thought, it looked like RP became the deck to beat as opposed to NEH becoming the deck to beat, because at that point we had Clot, but we didn't have we had Clot, which was an answer to Fast Advance we didn't quite have CVS yet um, or we only had it for a limited time, and then, you know, we didn't have Film Critic yet, so RP was a really great archetype and Andy was less powerful unless it was a stealth version of it against RP so what happened is that over time, I actually ended up uh, as Andy started getting played less I also dropped my um, shimmer from Sand Sands because they were less useful. As film critic got, and when film critic got, got added back to the game, of course this means that now you know Andy can be aggressive. They can score future if they want to splash that in because it's only one influence. They can they can score those um, those future perfects. They can get NAPDs um, without you know too much of a hassle. And they can and Andy can actually do this all with single accesses now because she is so economy efficient that way, and. Um, Siphon is now a more real thing, um, so as a result, yeah, it yeah is. <laughs> as, as a result, I pretty much had to come down and say, "Well, Shimmer from Sand, Sand now is definitely a better card." Here.
4: And that's a, um, that's an interesting point, Hollis, because it shows how much film critics really shaken up the meta without necessarily having to be in every deck. It just makes taking yeah. an RP deck so much more risky. It makes taking a, a mid season replacements bla- based deck so much more risky because you could run up against this card that completely hoses you. Oh yeah, most definitely.
0: I've got another question for you, Hollis. I was uh, sitting down uh, with a friend of ours, Connor, uh, who was playing uh, a list very similar to this list. I don't want to say it was the exact same list, but uh, he was playing against uh, Crushed Guava. Is uh, his his username? <laughs> uh, he wrote an article for us. Uh, Crushed Guava, uh, big shout out. He tunes in every week. He always gives us some Woo-woo. great feedback. Um, and he was asking me uh, what I thought of Little Engine. And Crushed Guava hates Little oh, Engine. What? Uh, in terms of playing it himself, like, he loves to see it if he's the runner, because he's like, sweet, I'm going to gain some credits in a second. <laughs> it's going to be sweet. How
3: have you found it? Um, I, I like it, um, but that's that's where I sit with it. Yeah, but. I, I like it, but. <laughs> so the biggest advantage of that card is that versus decks that are trying to do, like, eater combos, eater siphon combos. Um, you can take Little Engine, and you can throw it in front of a blacklist or throw it in front of a server early, and what makes Little Engine great is not that, you know, they is not that it, you know, costs so much to break overall. Because I mean if, if you really look at the math there, versus a Gordian, they're technically only ever really losing two credits when it's all said and done. But what what makes it good is you need an initial amount of credits to get past it. So you can't hover at a low amount of credits and get through. Um, it's a five cost, seven strength piece of ice. So compared tow booth. Do I think Toebooth is the best control ice? Absolutely. Um, I think it's probably the best control ice in the game. But the the biggest benefit of Little Engine is that it costs me less as the corp to have a window of control where I can do something. I've scored an uncounted amount of agendas or protected an uncounted amount of, of Sansan City Grids because of Little Engine. Um, and, I mean, really, in a deck like, you know, in a fast events deck where the game is over in 8, 9, and 10 turns or whatever that number is... Um, that basically, the one turn they can't get in because they don't ha- they, they're don't they they missing two credits, is actually everything. That completely changes your entire game. It, it literally, it's one of the things that matters the most about fast Advanced statics.
1: Just when NAPB contracts came out, the fact that the runner just needed to have four more credits lying around opened up scoring windows so much. And I, I think that the little engine does a very similar thing there, simply by asking them to have significantly more credits than they'll normally need to have they do get them back obviously and the same goes with NAPD contracts they still score the agenda but the fact that they needed that much more to lie around just opened up that scoring window and that's what it's it's about it's a little bit
4: worse than NAPD because with NAPD the the credits disappear permanently they get a different resource but they never get the credits again whereas with Little Engine they get it back
1: and NAPD has a obviously downsides for the player as well in that it, it's harder to score. It's a four for two that's effectively blank, other than the fact that it has a wider window. Um, little engine, I think, is more flexible because it's also ice. So I think that has both both have pros and cons. It's not a direct comparison, but I think I think they uh, fulfil similar true. roles. And
4: I, I agree with what you're saying, both of you, about opening up that space. One one concern I do have is with stealth decks because they're going to be able to net credit gain off it, which must be a little bit of a concern.
0: Yeah. We see, like, those stealth anti-decks that sort of dedicate their time to turning stealth credits into multiple real right. credits. I, uh, this could really help them out in that sense. I do
3: think, though, if for, for people that don't like it, I actually think you're fine if you just take it out and toss in your other booth
0: I think then... Yeah, I'm sure it's a playstyle yeah, choice. Yeah, I
3: think then, of course, though, you might want to consider throwing in those hedge funds that we talked about.
0: Yeah. I would love, though,
3: <laughs> like, if... In addition you know, to listeners, I know, I know people like talk to me on um, on Twitter and stuff like that, as well as to you, fine gentlemen. If you guys, after the show, honestly want to take a look and recommend anything I could toss out and, and maybe put hedge fund back in i'm never going to argue with more economy no i I would love to hear i I think the
4: the choices you made as i said earlier hollis like there's so many cards that could be in the deck hedge fund is one of them more fast track is another the third shipment from sansan is another more ice you know like there's so many choices you have to make and it's going to take a lot of fiddling before everybody finds a version of this deck that they're really happy with i think the innovation. In this is the three-team sponsorship and three turtle backs. That's what makes this deck different, yeah. and that's what's really interesting about it.
0: Well, one, one other thing that I've only just noticed. I'm sort of just looking through the, um, the list here. Uh, I don't think you talked about it earlier, Hollis, but just quickly before we wrap up. Uh, Global Food yeah. Initiative, how's that been for so, you? So
3: the interesting about that card is that it's very combo but the biggest thing that I, I love that it does is it keeps my agenda density at 11 as opposed to um, 12. I, before, I was running a lot of one pointers. And no, I still like having a lot of one pointers, which are the three breaking news. And now, in the new list, would, would be like one uh, uh, 15 minutes. Yeah. Like, I, even though I like those um, and I can score them right out of hand, now Archer's gone. So, you know, the need for all those two ones that, uh, you know, allow me to use Archer isn't there anymore. So now what I care more about is the agenda density a little bit. <laughs> and really, I want to try to get more deck slots back there's very few ice in the deck um and i think you have to have a minimal of like 12 13 14 um it's so it's so few so i mean if i if i could i would love to even maybe throw in another one i mean like maybe remove an napd remove one um breaking news and then if i can fit in another global food and bring my agenda density down to 10 and that way it's just um, three Astro, three Bill, two breaking news, two global food. The biggest advantage of global food is that even though it's combo when you start doing the when you start having the sand sand uh, and Astro like reses, especially when sponsorship is working, three points in a fast event as a fast events option is kind of doable. It's combo-y, but even if it doesn't work, the runner's only getting two points. They're not getting the full three. And I feel like that's an advantage'm I'm, I'm willing to leverage a little bit for the sake of trying to score the agenda. Or score them.
1: I think with uh, I think with shipment from Sansan here and Little Engine as well, Halls, you could actually get that five for three off the table relatively early. Just by, um, you would have to go quite low on credits to do it. But you've got the shipment from Sansan, and just as we were talking about with Little Engine, the fact that it buys a large scoring window for a relatively low cost means you could do it very early. Like I don't see scoring a five for three being outside of the question here, especially especially if you can push the runner to spend their resources on things like clot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In, so, install. I mean, if
1: there's, if they're breaking an SMC or a clone chip for clot, that's a breaker that they don't have, or that's money that they're not going to be spending to break that, that, uh, that, um, engine.
3: I, I would mm. say, by the way, um, pro tip to anyone listening. If you have a, if you have a global food, um, try this out and watch the frustration when you game your opponent, uh, play a piece of ice. Like Liam said, um, install the agenda behind the or wait to turn install the agenda behind the ice and go advance advance and then ask them do you have any reaction and then <laughs> yeah. pass and then they'll, then just wait when they realize wait a minute there's no way I can okay I see what happened here I, I, went, <laughs> I spent the money for clot I didn't have to it was unnecessary because this is not what I thought it was
4: it's pretty, pretty solid. Yeah,
0: that's play. good. Past priority always. Yes. past priority.
4: Is there a reason that you would play the third breaking news over the fifteen minutes? Noise. That's the only reason.
3: Um, against noise matchups, and uh, this actually, this pro tip. I love pro tips. This, this came from Zach Kavis. Um, n- yeah, yeah, pretty much. No, Zach. Zach finds that one of the hardest matchups is is, is noise. Of course, like most people. Um, because a, a great noise start is really hard to beat. And so, one thing that he said he, he enjoyed doing is early game, he could take like a wraparound, toss it on this in a remote, and put a breaking news behind it turn one. Noise turn one is not trying to score an agenda necessarily. Their goal is that amazingly beautiful, gorgeous, wild side pancakes, Aesop's cash, you know, setup. Like they, that, that's what noise wants. So, the way you kind of play against noise in the early game is you, you can actually put a wraparound down because they don't run Corroder. They only run Faust. Um, you can put a wraparound down, <clears throat> put the uh, breaking news behind it, and then on your next turn, after they've installed their wild side, go advance, advance, score, breaking news, trash wild side. And early, it just stops that whole train and it makes them, re- you know, they lose some tempo there and they have to restart this. Um, I do like 15 minutes. I think that, you know, its merits are, are there, right? Like, I mean, you take the agenda back. It's amazing, um, but it's really the breaking news is just really for the matchup versus uh, noise because Kate's not really using many um, resources, if any. And Andy Andy's using a lot of them, but I think most of them aren't most of them aren't worth trashing a lot of the time. Um, there, Andy's not going to leave her stuff really open. I mean, the, the, Andy's going to run three security testing. I don't know many Andys that are actually even running um, Katie Jones much anymore. That I think now a lot of them are very all in on. Just security testing and operation-based econ or event-based econ.
4: I mean, I think generally the ability of breaking news is something that people don't use enough. Yeah, it's good.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at thewinningagenda at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at Winning Agenda, uh, of which uh, Hollis Holoseko is now a Twitter user, so you can hassle him as well. <laughs> you can check us out on Facebook. Our like page is The Winning Agenda. We'll be back next Monday, guys, as usual. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Bye.
4: Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great night.